Welcome to Motherhood Exposed. Join me, Zoe Cresswell, mum of two and a UK-trained midwife and doula, as I meet with an array of amazing women navigating life and motherhood. Since becoming a mum for the second time, after my own complex journey, I've become more and more aware that motherhood is so unique. There's no one story the same, and women need support now more than ever. I hope by allowing mothers to openly speak out, we can help to break the silence around many topics. We need to shout out that there is no normal, and that is something we need to embrace. Motherhood isn't always picture perfect, so let's bust some myths, realign expectations, and share the journey together. Today's episode is with the very lovely Claire Faulkner, women's health and nutrition coach, personal trainer, yoga teacher, and lifelong wonderluster. Last year, Claire and her husband Luke left Dubai to realise their dream of travelling around Australia in a van. Now pregnant, Claire talks me through how she used her knowledge to prepare her body to get ready for conception, although tragically still suffered two miscarriages at the beginning of last year. I'm really grateful for Claire for speaking with me, as so often I think women blame themselves for their losses. Claire is a brilliant, shining example of health, yet still, one in four does not discriminate. Claire, thank you very much for joining me today. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for Good. having me. Thank you so much for coming on. I realised actually last week that I always start my podcast with how's the weather, like it's so British. <laughs> but we've done that already. <laughs> we know it's nice in Australia and it's nice here, so we'll, we'll skip past all of that. <laughs> okay. um, so I like to start the podcast with um, how you met your husband, which is Luke. That's right, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, we met in Dubai, so I was living there for like, well, not last year, but the past 10 years previous to that. Um, and yeah, so I met him in 2013, I think. I kind of, 2013, yeah. 2014. Oh, it's, it's not etched on your brain. <laughs> oh, I know. Well, there was a year of like dating. Okay. Um, <laughs> so the, a year of like dating friendship slash. So then it's like. The um, lines are a bit blurred. Okay. <laughs> I get yeah. it. Um, but anyway, so we met in Dubai, actually a Blue Marlin. So if, if you know Dubai at all, you know Blue Marlin. Uh, yeah. um, so, and which is so not like us. We're not like <laughs> your clubbing type of people, which is quite funny now. Um, so yeah, we met there at a mutual friend's birthday. Um, and then it was six months into Luke being in Dubai, actually. So he just moved fresh from the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's how we met. And yeah, as I said, we sort of dated for a year first and then we officially got together. Nice. And what, what brought you to Dubai in, in the first place? To be honest, I had no, nothing that necessarily brought me to Dubai. It was, um, I was living in Melbourne and I was what, 21, 22 um, and I just always wanted to travel. So it was always like my, I don't know. I just wanted to leave Melbourne and just yeah. explore other cultures and other places. And I was sort of toying with the idea of London, which I'm kind of thankful I didn't, <laughs> but, um, and my boyfriend at the time, which was not Luke, so my ex, um, we, he sort of had a mate in Dubai and was like, Oh, I could get a job opportunity in Dubai. Like, would you be keen for that? And I was like, looked on maps. I pulled out the map and I looked on the map and I was like, yes, sweet. I mean, it seems like a great location. It's like in the middle of the world. I can travel. So it was purely that I I sold my car in Melbourne for $1,500. I moved to Dubai with $1,500. That was it. Yeah. I mean, I was young, dumb and you know, (laughs) you just sort of like, and then I, we slept on my friend's floor for like a month. Um, and yeah, then we sort of, I just slowly started, um, I made up flyers to like promote my business from there, um, doing personal training and health and nutrition, um, Uh coaching. And I, I posted them. I went through all the blocks, um, buildings in JBR and just put them under people's doors. Oh, that's And then I got clients. Really? (laughs) Before Instagram, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how I started. I just started hustling from day one being in Dubai. That is an awesome story. Um, but now you have left us, you've, you've, you've left us back to Australia. So tell me why, what's, what's, what's been the plan? 
Yeah. So 10 years on, I didn't obviously expect myself to be in Dubai for that long. Like I sort of went there with a the goal of one year and to travel around and just sort of see there. But then, you know, it Dubai is a trap. It you hold, doesn't it? And it's like everybody's <laughs> exactly. like, three years, 15 years later. <laughs> exactly. So we all know that. Um, but yeah, so I was there 10 years and I was like, I just sort of always knew that I wanted to come back to Australia. Um, so when I initially first met Luke, it was sort of one of the interview questions I like to call yeah. it. He was like, oh, so would you ever be keen to move to Australia? You know, <laughs> like, um, and in which he was because he doesn't want He passed. <laughs> he passed the test, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, we were just always like, we just want to move to Australia. And I kept putting it off because... Life is good in Dubai. You know, I had a really good business. I had amazing clients, mm-hmm. great friends. Um, so it was really Luke that was the driving force, to be honest. Like he was, once he sets his mind on a, something, it's just like it happens. <laughs> Whereas I was sort of like, oh, let's do six more months. Let's do yeah. six more months. But he rented out the house and we were sort of living in hotels for the last I think it was six months. Oh, wow. Um, Did you really? Yes. <gasps> yeah. Oh. So... I know. That's hard. Not- That's really hard. Yeah. So he was just like, no, nah, we're going to do this. We're doing it. So we sold the car, rented out the house. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, is this really happening? Um, another month, another month. Um, so, yeah, it was basically just like that. So, and then we flew into Australia and that was it. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And the plan. So tell us about um, why, why you've gone back to Australia, what you're up to. Um, so, I mean, a number of reasons, obviously I think Australia is good for us for now. Like we're really happy to be back here and to be in such an amazing country. Like I, I really have a newfound respect for Australia mm-hmm. after being abroad for so long. I think you, I always was sort of a bit like, Oh, whatever, Australia, Australia, but then coming back to it, like just simple things like getting back on a phone plan. Oh my God, it was so easy. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's true. Though. I think when you leave and you go back, it's the, it's the really daft things you miss. It's the same for me in yeah. the UK. It's like really odd things. I'm like, oh, I love that. Like, yeah. I don't know, it's like going to Marks and Spencer's for me. <laughs> like, the oh food my God, there. totally. Like, it's brilliant. It's amazing. <laughs> it's, I, I'm with you there, 100%. And it's just getting things done like then and there and, and someone being responsible responsive um (laughs) so you're like wow so yeah it's definitely a newfound respect so yeah we want to be here for uh, sort of ever now I guess and then we just sort of travel from here yeah but um we had always been dreaming of doing van life so I haven't actually explored Australia much like we've done a lot of travel all over the world Mm -hmm. and so it was always my dream to sort of travel Australia and Luke's as well um so yeah when we got here on January 20th 2020 so almost exactly a year ago um we basically bought a van within two weeks and then we started building it like building our little home in the back of it so yeah that was (laughs) amazing yeah and then we obviously built that in three and a half four months and then we hit the road and then we were on the road for about five and a half months just traveling up the east coast and exploring it's so cool how did you know how to build a van we didn't because <laughs> <laughs> it looked absolutely, absolutely no clue. gorgeous so how did you do it did you was it all like google uh basically yeah that's amazing <laughs> so, so cool. i mean i was like because luke is completely a corporate dude like he was you know in advertising digital advertising i didn't even know that he i was like oh my god this is going to be awful like i had no faith in him um <laughs> And I was like, you're fucking mental. But like, he was just like, let's buy a van and let's build it. And I was like, yeah, okay, sure, Luke. Like, no faith. <laughs> um, <laughs> so then when we got the van, I was like, oh my God, this is actually happening. And he started and he was amazing. I was like, wow, you're like a, you should be a, um, a builder or something like <laughs> this. Like he was just following YouTubes on how to use a drill and how to use this. And, and it just worked. And yeah, he's done an amazing job. Like we get... Um, builders coming into the van being like oh who did you fit out it's really top grade and we're oh like, nice oh, oh yeah. that's really nice 
I know. So yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's definitely paid off, but he did lots of research. So I helped with obviously the decorating and the painting and a lot of stuff like that, but it was, he did most of the hard work. I must admit. <laughs> well done, Luke. Good job. So yeah. um, you've shared recently on social media that you, um, you started trying for a family um, at mm-hmm. the beginning of last year as well. Is that right? Yeah. Well, the end of 2019 19 yeah end of 2019 yeah we because we got married in um 2009 september of 2019 and we'd been together for a long time before Mm -hmm. that so we basically started trying immediately um because we knew like we were going to move back to australia and that's where we wanted to raise children so it was just it worked in with the plan well you know just to be coming back to australia having a baby getting good health care and yeah. I didn't have health care in Dubai either. So that was a bit of an issue. So yeah. yeah, it was, you know, a few things, but anyway, so we started trying at the end of 2019. Yeah. Okay. And you can, can you tell us about what happened? Yeah. So, I mean, I was super fortunate in the respect that like I had really, like I've got, I've been working my whole career in um, sort of health, nutrition, fitness, and the wellness spectrum. So I, I've been working a lot with women and um, post and prenatal, getting their periods back, like regulating hormones, um, and also just like assisting them getting pregnant. So I sort of knew a lot already and, and was already feeling like quite confident. Um, I'd gone to a lot of doctors before about a year prior to that because I knew, okay, in about a year I want to have a child. So about in 2018, I started seeing people and just making sure that everything was good. My bloods were good and, you know, I'd started taking my prenatals and was doing everything right, you know. Yes, yeah, super um, organised. Yeah, yeah, I'm a bit like that. <laughs> um, and I was, you know, meditating more, doing breath work. I was coming down my workouts. Like I was doing everything right. Um, and we were super lucky in the respect that I fell pregnant pretty quickly. So it only took us three times. Um, and then, yeah, I fell like pregnant. Like three times? Do you mean three months? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> three cycles, a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, just so, yeah. reword that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, trust me, a lot of time, <laughs> three cycles. So on my third cycle, I've yeah. fallen pregnant. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was super lucky. Um, so yeah, I didn't think anything of it. I was like, hell yeah, I found out on New Year's Day of 2020. So it was the first day of the year of 2020. Wow. I was like, I took the pregnancy test the night before actually. And it came back negative, um, but it was positive. I just didn't see the line. Um, so the next morning I was like, I still don't have my period. I'm regular like clockwork, mm-hmm. like something's wrong here. So I looked at the old one and I saw the line and I took the new one and I saw a line and I was like, oh my God, like <sighs> I'm pregnant. Again, not thinking anything of it. We told family immediately um, because I just, I just didn't even have that you know, anyway. So yeah. So then we went to Bali. We were in the UK actually with Luke's family for Christmas when I found out and his sister had found out the day before she was pregnant as well. Oh wow. So she had announced on New Year's Eve that she was pregnant. And then I announced the next day that I was pregnant. So we were like, oh my God, we're like literally going to have the same, same time. We're going to be having the same babies. Um, and yeah, then we went to Bali and then we came to Australia and basically a week into coming to Australia, I got a tiny spot of blood, like tiny, just on, you know, when I went to the toilet mm-hmm. and um, I was like, you know, you just get that sinking feeling, your heart sort of skips a beat and you're mm-hmm. like, and I was cramping that day. So, but, you know, in early pregnancy, you do cramp a little bit because, yeah things are happening and your body's changing everything's stretching completely so I sort of didn't really think much of it and also being my first pregnancy I didn't really know what to expect so anyway I went straight to the um doctors and 
it was the weekend, which is, it's not like Dubai anymore. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have people working around the clock. The weekend means everything's bloody closed. So I had to then wait three days um, because it was like Friday and then I had to Saturday, Sundays off. Then I had to wait till Monday to get the ultrasound. And then we saw that unfortunately there was just nothing in there except for um, some pregnancy tissue. Um, so, and then there was no heartbeat that, you know, we had lost the baby. And then my GP was like, do you want to go through this naturally or do you want to be assisted with it? And, you know, being the health conscious person I was, I was like, oh, how I'm just going to take this on the chin and go natural. I don't want drugs. I don't want an operation. Hindsight's <laughs> in that one was, yeah. But, um, so then, yeah, about two weeks later. So I would have been about 11 weeks pregnant by this stage. Okay. Um, and then I miscarried and I was fortunately at my mum's, So it was really good. Like I had her support and I was able to be looked after and, yeah. and there was, I was surrounded by love and wow. which was, you know, an amazing thing to mm-hmm. be. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was the most horrendous thing to go through and, as I said, I wish I had have taken the operation to start off with because I've never been in so much pain in my life. I didn't realize like how physically demanding, like not only are you going through all the emotions of like my body's betrayed me, like what the fuck? (laughs) Sorry about my language. Um, But you know, like you just, you feel betrayed, I guess. Like you just sort of like, wow, I just didn't have this in my expectations at all. This would potentially even happen. But then the physical kicks in and I was like, wow, this is like intense. So yeah, I miscarried and I passed the, you know, thing. The baby. Which was not, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Still haven't come to terms with that one yet. But no. um, yeah, so I passed it and that came out just like obviously a big clot. And then I continued to really heavily bleed for obviously the week following that. Mm-hmm. And then... I went to the doctors again to get the ultrasound to just check if everything was okay. And again, I probably would have been about 12 weeks at this stage. Um, And unfortunately I hadn't passed everything. So there was still remaining placenta. Mm -hmm. So then that's when they said, you need to go for emergency surgery. (laughs) So then I had to be booked in for surgery and then to get the DNC to clear everything out. So it was just, so I was finally done with it at all at about 13 weeks pregnant. Um, but then the recovery after that, because I, as I said, I didn't realize how much of a physical toll it yep. would take on me. And I was just, I couldn't stand up. I felt like I was going to pass out all the time. And Luke needed to walk me to bed and to get me to, yeah. So it was, it was quite tough that, but again, I was super lucky. I was at home. Mum was just making my meals. I didn't have to lift a finger. So all of that was incredible. You know, the support was amazing. So, yeah, but just definitely have a newfound respect for women after that. Mm. I think Um, it's something that's, um, I mean, obviously miscarriage, I think is talked about more and more and more in podcasts like this. And there's lots of others out there now, which, which are talking about it as well. But I think more so often we don't actually talk about what physically happens um agreed you, yeah. you're like, oh, I had one and it was awful and this you know this is how I felt but actually this is what physically happened to me and Completely. when I had my first I'd been a, a midwife for a long long time but yeah. I just was overwhelmed by the quantity of blood um Completely, like, how, yeah. like how much I was bleeding it was like a horror horror movie it was absolutely, absolutely. And insane yeah but, and I'm like I'm meant to know this stuff and I didn't and so it's, it's terrifying completely and that's what you and I was the same you know I was just sitting on the toilet and I was just like like the pure amount of blood it was just like it was crazy and and I think that was what surprised me most about it because everyone always spoke about the emotional toll miscarriage mm-hmm. took on you which don't get me wrong was big but it, it was I was mourning for something that I hadn't really connected with yet. So for me, it was like I was mourning for something that I wish was there. Do you know what I mean? It was like I was mourning for a wish or a a happiness that I thought would be there. So in some regards, that was sort of like something, you know. But physically, I was like, 
wow, this is huge physically. And, and as I said, no one, you don't hear about that. No, I don't think enough. Um, no, and I think sometimes yeah. as well, when you are going through so such a physical change, um, and as mm. well for, um, I'd like to regard myself as fairly fit too. So for people like you and I, who we, we've yeah. generally quite good control of our bodies, we know what, um, what we're able to do. Uh, we've generally, mm. um, you know, we ask this of the, our bodies and our body does that. And um, mm-hmm. so then for it to be very Completely. out of control, um and, yeah. and not feel like we we know what's going on anymore um I think that it can be very distracting then that you actually don't connect with the emotional side of it perhaps till um till much later on and um, because you're so focused on physically what's going on too completely and that's what you know it was sort of just that betrayal of your body like you're mm. like wow how could you like I give you so much and mm. I do so much and I did everything right and this didn't work like that was the confusion for me. I was just, I yeah. just didn't understand it. Um, yeah. So anyway, we went through that and then um, got the DNC and then recovery wise, I, I got my period. Um, I think it was like, I don't know, two weeks after I got oh, the wow. DNC. Amazing. Yeah. So pretty quickly, but again, I was always like clockwork and it was sort of like, I knew sort of, I think my period came, from when my miscarriage happened rather than when the DNC happened, yep. if that makes sense. Yeah, so, I understand. Um, yeah, so anyway, I got my period back and then the doctors were like, yeah, just have one period and then you can start trying again. And I was like, okay, cool, let's get on it. And did you feel um, like sort of you was, um, emotionally had time to get ready to try again or did you feel like you were, you were good to go? Um, I think at the time I thought I was emotionally ready. But I think in hindsight, I probably wasn't, <laughs> if that makes sense. No, it's course, yeah, so absolutely. At the time, I think I was more like, okay, we've done that job. Let's put it behind us. Like, that's done. Let's move on. Like, look, let's look to better things. And that's what I sort of did. So I don't think I had had time, no. Mm-hmm. And that, to be honest, I don't think my body had had time because I hadn't recovered physically yet. Mm. Yeah. So, but that's only in hindsight. Yeah. No, which is a beautiful thing. Hey? <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, we basically, yeah, started then trying from that period. So I got my first period and then we were, I was like, okay, time to start trying. So we started trying and then two cycles later, <laughs> I fell pregnant again. Um, and as I said, this is a hindsight thing. I was yeah. like, I wasn't even excited remotely. So I wasn't obviously emotionally ready, I don't think, because... Well, I think also that's the cruel thing that miscarriage does is it takes that excitement away because you suddenly, you don't trust your body anymore and this bad thing has happened before, so what's to say it's not going to happen again? And that's very hard to to get your head round and um, absolutely you you get to right I've got to get to that point where I got to last time before I can start even thinking about this might move forward and and go where I want it to go. Completely. Yeah, it like almost robs that, like you just being naive. And mm. it, it just like the first time when you found out, like when I found out the excitement was just like, but I still remember that, which is really nice. And Good. I still yeah. have that, you know, beautiful feeling when I first saw that pregnancy. And it was just like, wow, like sh- this is like, yeah, amazing. look what we've done. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, the second time wasn't, we didn't get any of those feels and it was sort of just like not telling anyone, obviously. No, so why, um, why did you choose not to tell anyone this time around? Because I know obviously you had the miscarriage, but you, yeah. you utilized the support of your, your family to, to get yeah. you through that. So what, 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 what held you back from telling people this time? So when I say I wasn't telling it, like I was, we were living with my mom at the time, building the van. So we were <laughs> in the, in the mix of building the van. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I told my mom, obviously, because we were living here yeah. and I had told Luke, but we didn't tell any um, of Luke's family or we didn't tell anybody else just because I wasn't emotionally ready mm-hmm. to um, sort of go through my own heartbreak, but also the heartbreak of other people. Yeah. And I think that was what I was sort of like, I can't, I just, yeah, I just couldn't deal with that. So I just wanted to wait until everything was, I knew that everything was okay, (laughs) which I don't know if you ever do, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, I told my mom and I told Luke 
And then when we went to the doctors, obviously everything was confirmed. But then at about seven weeks, so a bit earlier on than the first one, mm-hmm. um, I started to spot. And again, it was just a really light spotting to start with. And then I went to the doctor and they said, yeah, there's nothing. Like, you know, ultrasound came back. There was mm-hmm. no um, there was no heartbeat. And, yeah, so this one happened much easier and much better, like about three days later after the first initial spot. So I was still about eight weeks at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I had, the again, a massive bleed with huge clots. And then, yeah, I passed it and then... I went for the ultrasound and thankfully there was no retaining retained tissue. Yeah. So it was like, okay, well, we can move on now. <laughs> like it's all good um, because yeah, it's just, it's done now. Um, and then that's when I finally decided, okay, let's just give this a rest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so then so, was it focused on van life? Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> We were like two weeks out at that stage from actually leaving. Okay. Um, it was like peak winter in, well, it just hit winter in Melbourne. So, I mean, not for, but for Dubai folk like us, um, <laughs> it's pretty cold. Yeah. So I was like, I've, I've been in Melbourne in the winter and it is really cold. <laughs> exactly. So we're like, we need to get north. Um, <laughs> so that was our sort of goal then. We sort of just went, okay, pregnancy, let's just put that aside for the moment. Let's just focus on van life and let's just chill. Like, you know, we just can't control everything at this moment. So let's just chill. Um, and when I say chill, I mean, I'm, I'm not really a chiller in the regards to my <laughs> having things out of control with certain things. So um, I was obviously doing lots of research in the background um, that Luke didn't know about that I was being very <laughs> I was being very exactly <laughs> reaching out to people and doing all that sort of stuff but um yeah so but it was amazing like just going off and exploring and, and being that minimalist lifestyle I think just naturally just puts you in a different zone also just being with nature every single day you're sort of forced in that different mindset which is really nice so I think it was perfect for us it's incredible opportunity and, and when you yeah. said you were reaching out to people what were you um what were you what, what were you trying to get from them were you were you asking has this happened to you or what's the chances of it happening again yeah so prior to all this I had sort of just gone just with my own knowledge um again which was you know I don't want to pump my tires or anything but it's quite extensive and it's more so than you would think that a normal person would know so yep. I knew I was taking the right supplements um based on like my genetic profile and, and what I had sort of um taken tests with functional medicine um, practitioners and everything like that um but it was more so like going into depth with that. And then when I went to doctors in Melbourne, they tell you, oh, we don't start testing you for weird and wonderful things until you've had three miscarriages. Um, And I'm like, but I've had two. (laughs) And they're like, well, I'm sorry, but we don't, we won't test you until you've had three. And I just, I didn't like that answer. Like I just, I couldn't accept it. I was like, I don't understand this. Like, I've had two. I don't want to have three. Yeah. Like, I don't want to go through that again. Can you not, like, send me off for some tests? Um, and they were just, no, nah, it doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen, you know. Again, it's it's not like I was, I'm just going through the normal public system here. I'm not mm-hmm. in private health. Yeah. Like, it wasn't, um, again, it, the medical care you do get is fantastic, but it's in the realm of, like, okay, this is the steps we go through. Yeah, so similar, um, similar to the UK, really. Exactly. We're, we're governed by yeah. guidelines and protocols. and Completely. So once you get into them, then you're amazing care, like going through with my DNC and all that. Oh, my God, it was phenomenal. They were unbelievable, but it was just then just not giving me answers. Yeah. Um, so I was like, I just couldn't accept that. So I reached out. And also being new to Australia at that stage, I knew no one. Um, so I, I didn't know the healthcare system. I didn't really understand like who you see or what you do. Like in Dubai, I would be like, oh, see this doctor. Um, he specializes in fertility or see yeah. this person. Like I, knew, I know what's happening in Dubai, but in Australia, I was like, Shit, I don't know anyone. 
So I actually just reached out to this incredible naturopath on Instagram. Oh, wow. Um, and she, yeah, she specializes. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's where I did all my research. <laughs> um, but she specialized in health and nutrition. Um, but I knew that she would know other people as well. Like she yeah. would have a, a sort of network of people that she would be like, okay, this is who you see. And in which she did our first consult, she was like, I'm going to refer you to this amazing GP. Then the GP is going to refer you to a fertility specialist. And then we're going to get you in the system this way. And I was like, okay, sweet. So from first consult with her, she knew exactly who to refer me, what doctors wouldn't say, oh, you haven't had three miscarriages. We're not going to do any testing. Mm -hmm. Um, And from day one, she gave me support. She was like, okay, yeah, you've had two. Let's investigate. Like, I don't want you to have one. And I was like, exactly. Um, So, yeah, then I got into the system that way from her just sort of showing me, okay, see this person, see this Mm -hmm. person. Um, And then from there, basically, I was like, I just let go of control then. I was like, I'm in good hands. Like, I need to stop trying to control everything myself yep. and just let other people just con- work it out for me. Sure. Um, and I think that was the most like sort of liberating thing about it all. It was just nice just to be like, cool. Like I trust you. Do to kind of figure um, out, be looked after, I think as well. Yeah. So like, you don't have to, I don't know, the, the ride, the, like be in charge of the I'm trying to think of a the right way to say it but like <laughs> drive the bus or something you've got someone exactly. else doing that for you um and you, you're completely you a passenger or, or be an involved one but um yeah exactly and that's what it, it was just just letting go of that and it was really sort of again in hindsight really nice um so yeah I got referred to a fertility specialist Um, And he was incredible. Like, again, from day one, he was like, yeah, cool. So, you know, we don't want you to have three miscarriages. Um, Initially, I was a bit hesitant because it's an IVF clinic. So I was like, oh, you know, am I going to have to have IVF? And he was like, no, I'm a fertility expert. Like, I help people get pregnant in any way. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Um, So he did an array of tests and, and sort of then put me on relevant things like progesterone and you know, just things to support a a pregnancy a bit more, which I wasn't sort of getting. Um, And they found that I had a gene that actually um, is a blood clotting gene, thrombophilia. Mm -hmm. Um, And basically some women get miscarriages from this gene and some women do not. (laughs) So it's one of those ones. But he said, if you don't want to take the chance of having a third one, let's go down the route of putting you on blood thinners. Um, so, and I was like, okay, sweet, let's do it. I mean, it meant an injection every single day of the pregnancy. Um, but yeah, I had came back positive from the gene and, you know, and so I was like, okay, sweet, let's do it. So they were the two things that he sort of addressed with me. Um, and he was also just gave me good tips about like frequency of having sex and, and, you know, take care like Luca needs a few days to rebuild yeah. and all that sort of stuff no, not letting true. it go too long and yeah all those sort of just invaluable tips that no one really wants to talk about yeah. um, <laughs> so you're just like okay sweet like I had I knew when exactly I was ovulating because I've been tracking my cycles for years so I knew all that sort of stuff but it was just about you know we thought it was like about loading him up um, you know, rather than, but the doctor's like, no frequency, frequency. And I was like, okay, sweet. Um, so yeah, it was just all those sort of tips that really helped. And then we, I was chilled. I was like, okay, cool. Like we're not going to start trying yet, but I just wanted to see if everything was good. And then I just sort of let down my hair and we just one time when I was ovulating again I wasn't really like I'm ovulating you need to like we need to do it so it was more like nice and enjoyable yeah and yeah then I fell pregnant (laughs) so yeah and um we found out we were on a boat in the wit sundays Um, (laughs) i know so anyone who doesn't follow you now needs to follow you and see your instagram is like the most idyllic it's so beautiful (laughs) of course you're on a boat in a wit sunday (laughs) i know i'm like wow like seriously there was 10 of us all on this boat and we were gonna it was our last night and we're gonna have a drink so hold on you took a pregnancy test with you yeah <laughs> no and to be honest you, it's not that obsessive 
it's not that obsessive because I, t- I took my toiletry bag and there just happened to be a just pregnancy. Happened. I got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh God. <laughs> Maybe I did let the go- down the control, but for me, I let it down. <laughs> um, so yeah, we we're going to have a drink that night and I was just like, I'll just go and check. And then it came back instant. And oh, I was wow. like, wow. But I had no hope because I was actually spotting on the boat. Um, yeah, which now I realize was implantation bleed. Um, but I was just like, oh, I'm getting my period, like whatever. But then it just sort of was this weird spotting and then it stopped. And I was like, that's never happened to me before. What? Um, so yeah. And then we came back, we're in Ailey beach in the wet Sundays and I was, had to then go and get my prescription for the blood thinners Mm. and then the progesterone. So we're injecting, like I had to do daily injections into my stomach. I was too chicken to do them. So Luke did them (laughs) in in our van whilst we're traveling around Australia every morning. I mean, it was like super chilled, but also super regimented. No, I can, (laughs) um, having been through it myself, I can so relate. Not, not the van bit, unfortunately, but yeah. The injections is a, it's a funny thing, isn't it? Because you're kind of like, oh, we're totally normal. We're just a normal couple. And it's like, it's 7.58. You need to put an injection in my bum now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then, that's exactly. And then we were like trying to find all these safe disposal boxes, like yes. on the road to like dispose of the syringes. And I'm like, oh my God, it kind of added a different element to our mm-hmm. van life experience. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, then the morning sickness kicked in and that was like the best day ever <laughs> um, because I was like, oh my God, I'm actually sick. Yeah. Like Luke, proof. I'm actually <laughs> sick. Yeah. <laughs> so in my previous two pregnancies, I was not sick at all. I felt fine. Um, and I actually felt really good with the first one. And so this time I was like, oh my God, Luke, I feel, I feel nauseous. I feel nauseous. And then I was just so happy that I felt crap. <laughs> and I mean, most women are like, oh my God, it's horrible. But I was like, this is the best. How was um, it feeling crap living in a van and having to drive It around? was actually, to be honest, in, well, the driving part was hard because yeah. any winding road, I, yeah. was, I never actually vomited, which is good, but I would sit out the window gagging the oh, whole time. <laughs> so that wasn't overly enjoyable, but... In the respect of the, the, you don't have any life admin or I don't have a job to go to, all that was incredible. Like I napped three, four times a day um, and I was just feeling sick and then getting up and traveling to an amazing place, sitting on a beach, getting fresh air. So I think it was in some respect the best thing we could do because mm-hmm. it forced me to be outdoors and it forced me to be doing something. Yep. But that was just not that much. Mm-hmm. No, that's <laughs> so, um, yeah, but thankfully, at the, like, yeah, then we got our scans on the road. So we would just, we got my seven week scan and there was a heartbeat. And I was like, oh my God, like, you know, you're just overwhelmed. I just couldn't believe it. And then we were still holding our breath. Like, we just hadn't, you know, we had no real excitement. Mm-hmm. Um, except for the fact that I was sick. I was, that was probably the only thing I was excited about. <laughs> um, and yeah, but then each time it's like holding your breath for that next scan. So you're like, okay, I've had the seven week. Okay. Now we need the 12 week scan. Mm-hmm. So you're holding your breath and then at 12 week scan, everything was good. So it wow. was just like, yeah, again, I couldn't still can't believe it. So now I'm 26 weeks pregnant and um, I'm still like, is this real? I don't know. <laughs> Do you think from 12 weeks you did then start to relax a little bit and, and find no. the excitement? Not yet. I think, I think it was only hit at about uh, probably, probably about 20 week scan. And wow. then I think I, yeah. And <laughs> so 12, now I'm much more like, wow, okay, we actually need to buy something. Like we've got <laughs> we don't have anything at the moment. So in 26 weeks, we have nothing. Um, again, I mean, we've still got time, so it's yeah, not like a big time. rush, <laughs> but it's sort of like, we really haven't thought about anything. So I think it was only at about 20 weeks that then I was like, I think this is real. Like, <laughs> okay. Um, but then there was another disheartening, like, so at 12 weeks scan, they actually picked up that I had a subchronic hematoma. Okay. 
So that's a massive blood clot. And yeah. the blood clot was the same. So the baby was like, what, five centimetres or, or six centimetres and the clot was five centimetres. So it was the same size as the baby, this blood clot that was sitting in my uterus. So I think that's why we weren't excited because yeah. that you've got massively increased risk of um, miscarriage um, if you have the subchronic mm-hmm. hematoma. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my thyroid results, they were coming back all wacky. Um, so it wasn't until 20 weeks that then we got the other scan that they're like, Oh, the, um, clot has vanished. Um, and your thyroid is totally normal. It's just early pregnancy. It just went a bit wacko. So was Um, it at 12 weeks that you decided to go back to Melbourne? No. So it was at 12 weeks, they picked up on everything. And then it, was, it wasn't until 16 weeks did the hospital then give me a call and say, look, your thyroids are still not coming back. You've got the subchronic. You've got a history of miscarriage. You're on Clexane, which is a blood thinner. Mm-hmm. They're like, we need you to come back yeah. and be in one place. So yeah. they said, if you want that to be Queensland, then be that Queensland. But you need to see one doctor. Yeah. You need to be under the care of one person. And, and that's what we need. And I wasn't being told that twice. So I was like, Luke, we've got to drive uh, 20 hours south. <laughs> so he's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, we've got a week. Let's drive 20 hours south. And he was like, okay. So we just then came back to my mom's house because you know, we at least have support in Melbourne yeah. and everything. So we, we still haven't set up our life here yet, um, but we've at least got support. And so that was, that was what happened. The doctors basically called me back just to find out at 20 weeks that everything was fine. But hey, at the end of the day, we were, we, we don't regret that decision for one minute. Like yeah. the minute the doctor says, and they actually called, they said, you're high risk. Um, you need to be in one place. I yeah. was like, okay, sweet, done. Yeah. I'm back. Um, I'm back, yeah. And I'm here and I'll be ready for the doctor's appointment. So then they put me down as low risk. I'm just normal now. So that's been <laughs> really good it's after nice the 20 weeks. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, wow. So I think that's when we finally took a breath was when we realized, okay, wow, this is normal. Yeah. Like, you know, what's normal, but mm-hmm. yeah, everything's looking the best it can possibly look. Got it. Absolutely. Yeah. And you've spoken <laughs> about, um, returning to van life uh, once the baby's born is that still on the cards yeah absolutely so I mean Luke's gagging to get back into it <laughs> so he was like so yeah two weeks out Claire we'll get back into it and I'm like wait a second what excuse me so <laughs> I mean he's changed his tune on that one but um no so yeah we definitely want to get back to it um again we're just going to see how the birth goes, how my recovery goes and just have this Melbourne as a base with all the support we have. Um, and then once I feel ready, which could be what one month, it could be three months, it could be six months. Just mm-hmm. let's see how we go. Um, then we'll hit the road again. So there's no start kickoff date or whatever. It's yep. just when I feel ready and then we'll just get in the van, maybe stay somewhere, get north, stay somewhere hot, for well not hot but as in not melbourne winter not melbourne cold exactly um and then just get adjusted to being parents <laughs> sounds so weird and then um <laughs> we will start a road trip again because we only got the east coast done so we want to do the west coast yeah lots to do and um, yeah. i'm really interested because obviously with um i don't know most parents will, will understand like kids come with stuff there's always so yeah. much stuff and you've, you've, not a lot got, you've not got a lot of space in the van. So no. um, is it a plan for a reef rack or is it a plan for kind of trying and keep seeing everything like as minimalist as you can? Yeah. So again, I'm not a parent as yet, so I don't know actually how much stuff. So for, I, this might be a naive have in my mind that I think that we'll be able to keep everything really minimal. I don't know whether that's naive or not. No, it's, not you sure. know what? it's not though. It's, um, it's that we think we need all of this stuff and actually you don't need, yeah. you don't need all of the stuff at all. <laughs> and the baby can, you know, they can co-sleep with you, I guess. Um, yeah. Or however. And yeah, you don't need prams and, 
dims and all no. that you can get by and they're out in nature anyway that's what they'll be playing with stimulation yeah. yeah so initially what we want to do is just buy really little so that's our initial plan like we're initially not going to buy a pram we're just going to use the carrier um again like that might change we might be like wow we need a pram and mm-hmm. then we'll buy one that's yep. fine um, but we're sort of just going to do it like that. We're just going to sort of buy this very bare essentials initially. Yep. So that just being clothes, a, a wrap, nappies, you know, just the bare essentials. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we will just buy as we need, I think. Which and is really sensible. Sort of, yeah. Yeah. So I think to buy all that excess, we've got no room. And we, I mean, we're both minimalist anyway. Like my wardrobe, we actually moved to Australia both with one suitcase each. That's amazing. From Dubai after 10 years. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's sort of like we both live quite simply anyway. Um, so, yeah, we don't want that to sort of change. No. But we understand that you need certain things. <laughs> 100% and certainly for the first couple of months you, they don't need a, a push chair and there are many many countries around the world that don't use prams it's just a very western thing anyway isn't it exactly and that's what I sort of was saying to Luke I was like I don't I like there's no other countries that actually do it except for the westerners so I was like mm. we can do this no, but again can. let's see <laughs> it's exciting it's really exciting yeah. um so I end the podcast with um my same three questions are you happy to answer if I crack on. Yes. So um, if you could have coffee, um, and for you, it'll be decaf coffee, uh, with any other female, (laughs) um, uh, be it alive, dead, famous, family, um, who would it be and why? So this is super tough because you're just like, I mean, did you say this? It's a female, yeah? Yeah. Being awkward. Um, I mean, if it was a male, it's David Attenborough, hands down, any day. He's had the vaccine. Um, Everyone, he's had the vaccine. (laughs) Oh, wow. I didn't even know that. (laughs) No, I saw that on Instagram yesterday. I was like, yes, he's had the vaccine. (laughs) Oh, wonderful. Um, But females, I mean, two come to mind, um, and that's Sylvia Earle, which is, she's like a massive marine biologist. Um, She's... She started national parks in the ocean. So she was the first person to sort of deem that. She's like the first free diver woman, the first diver woman. She's like just done leaps and bounds in her ocean conservation and and what she stands for as a person. So I really, really admire her. Um, and I think Jane Goodall is another one that I would just love. I'm, I'm like, I love all my animal activists yeah. and all that, as you can tell. And I just think that as women as well, they're, they're really for their time and for their era, they've just done incredible stuff. So probably those two. Yeah, that's awesome. That's brilliant. Thank you. Um, and, um, as best as you can, when you have, um, when you've got your babies in your in, baby in your arm, what can you imagine yourself saying that your mum used to say to you? To be honest, I mean, the only thing I can really ever imagine at this moment saying is just like, I love you. Oh. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Like, it's as simple as that. I know, but it's just like, after everything, I think it's just the only thing that just yeah, it, it would just be, I just want to share my love with it and that's yeah. it. And does your mum still say to you that she loves you? Yeah. I mean, mum's more like, you're gorgeous, you're beautiful, I love you. <laughs> so it's all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. That's so nice. Um, and from your journey so far, can you um, sort of share any little mum hacks, life hacks that you think could help other people? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think the best and biggest one is be your own advocate So like, listen to your intuition, listen to yourself. Like if you feel that you're not getting the right answers from a doctor, then push for some more. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, so don't just sit back. Don't be, as you said, in your analogy, don't be the passenger, like, you know, take a bit of control, um, but also learn when to step back, you know? So I think it's, it's that, that really nice balance. And, and that's, I think, one of the biggest things that I've learned is just learning to speak up, but also learning to just be like, okay, I'm in good hands now. Mm-hmm. I'll take a step back. Yeah. Um, and I think I, I can't do just one because the second one I think is really important is to look after yourself and really prioritize yourself, prioritize your mental health, um, your physical health, and just what you're putting into your body, I think those two sort of things are so important Mm -hmm. and 
yeah, they're just <laughs> the no, most important. Awesome. What, what, what are like the top um, things you do to, for your mental and physical health? Um, so it definitely movement. And I, I wouldn't say it's like specific to exercise at this moment because it's more movement. Um, and that is just doing what feels really good for my body. So it's, it's nothing too grueling. It's nothing too um, tiring. It's just moving my body in the way that it feels good. So mm-hmm. maybe that's through a yoga or um, some light exercise or something. And I think mental clarity that gives me is just next time. Um, obviously, I didn't train in the first three months. Uh, you know, A, I felt sick and also B, I just wanted time just mm-hmm. to not do yeah. anything. Um, which I also highly recommend for every woman um, because it's just, you just have that downtime. But yeah, so movement is very important and fueling yourself with good food. Like, you know, when you eat crap food, you feel crap. Mm. Like that's it. It's just as simple as that. And when you fuel yourself with quality, good food, that's, you know, natural and no preservatives and um, I, you just feel good. And I think mental health for that is just huge for me as well, you know? So, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Claire, so very much for sharing your story with me. It's been amazing talking to you. No, it's been really nice to talk no, to awesome. you. Too. And, um, all the best of luck for the next uh, couple Thank of months. You. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> You've found out what you're having, haven't you? Yes, we have. Yeah. Kept it, keeping it to yourselves for now. We, yeah, we will announce it before um, it comes. We have, I don't want to say what it is yet. Um, but, yeah, we just like letting it all absorb at the moment, which is really nice. So yes. it's sort of like we want to keep this realm for us at the moment. Um, but, yeah, at some we point. will um, tell all. Yeah, very soon. <laughs> and how can people find you on social media? Um, so they can find me on my Instagram, which is, um, Claire Falconer underscore underscore. Um, and then my more business, um, where I talk more about health and fitness is coached by Claire. Um, I've been a bit slack on that recently just because obviously I've not been feeling great. (laughs) Um, but that is all coming back and I'm, I'm creating some fun and, and cool stuff for, I'm getting through pregnancy and trimester two at the moment. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a whole lot of stuff coming on that page. So, yeah. Awesome. And the van life, because people need to follow you on that. What's Oh, yeah, of course. And that's Forgot, van life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My bad. Van life Straya. Straya. So that is, yeah, very bogan. But that is S-T-R-A-Y-A, like Straya. So um, everyone needs to go on there if they want to go green with MV, basically. So it's yeah, and come gorgeous. and join us in the van life i'm so excited to see you there with your little baby it's going to be awesome i know (laughs) (laughs) thank you again thank Um, you and have a rest it's an evening there isn't it so have a wonderful rest yeah i'm about to eat dinner now nice nearly (laughs) nearly lunch here (laughs) oh lovely (laughs) take care you too bye-bye thank you so much to claire for sharing her stories with me today As always, I hope that by speaking out about our experiences that women do not feel alone, isolated or misunderstood. I'm wishing Claire and Luke so much love as they embark on the last few weeks of their pregnancy and I cannot wait to watch this little one grow up enjoying the sinful life and travelling Australia in mum and dad's van. I haven't asked this for ages but if you're enjoying the podcast, please, please give me a rating as those little stars really help it to reach more and more people. Also, shameless plug, in just a few weeks, our reusable Napoli company, at Bop and Bee, will be launching. Please head over to at Bop and Bee on Instagram and give us a follow. Thank you and have a gorgeous week, everybody. Much love from me.